Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I wanted to do the Ali Frazier fight, not to do the main story, to do what we called in the newspaper business a sidebar, a small little story, because I wanted to see it. I wanted to be there, and I need an excuse to be there. And I was not on the list. Our lead boxing writer was Bob Waters, who was a great, sturdy curmudgeon of an old man, and he's the guy who had the bottle of scotch in the bottom drawer on the right at his desk. He was that guy. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. God bless Bob Waters. I have some things I'm going to read here. I was supposed to read it the other day. Did we keep up? Did we keep up with the winning streak of Yeshiva University, which was up to 36 games after they won on Monday night? Did we keep I, up with that? Have they? Are they still unbeaten? I will check no, on that. I'm interested if they can get to 36, just for you know. Oh yeah, for the double high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from Rabbi Willie Balk, who's the academic advisor at Yeshiva. Um, and by the way, who says he's always of Cleveland, Ohio. Michael Sweetney, who used to play for Georgetown, is an assistant coach at Yeshiva, by the way. We've all been listening to you wax poetic about the woes of Binghamton basketball and their quest to play in a play-in game that they may or may not lose. However, I'd like to call your attention about 184 miles southeast of the Max Stern Athletic Center in New York City, home of the Yeshiva University Maccabees. They used to be the Mighty Mites, now they're the Maccabees, my alma mater and current employer. The last time they lost, I think, was November 9th, 2019. It's unheard of, the rabbi writes, in uh, D3 college basketball. It's really nice. The winning streak includes navigating games not on the Sabbath or Jewish holidays and involved in their foray into the second round last year of the Division Three tournament, which Chuck Culpepper wrote about at the time. Their most recent victories came against St. Joseph's in West Hartford, now coached by former UConn coach Jim Calhoun. Although it's not quite the vaunted America East, the Maccabees have won the Skyline Conference Championship two of the last three years. The next game, the game they won was against Stevens College, the Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology. We all know my thoughts on those schools. <laughs> we don't know how long this streak will last, but it's been a great ride. The entire university community could not be more proud of this team, both on and off the court. I'm still trying to get our athletic director to schedule Stony Brook and knock them down to size as we already play Farmingdale on Long Island, but I haven't convinced them yet. So let's check on them. Let's check on how they've done. Yeah, well, they, they, did, uh, they did beat Thaddeus Stevens, so uh, they beat him handily, 88-70. Yeah. So that win streak is at 36 games. Well, didn't they play after that? Haven't they played since? I mean, no, that was Monday. Not, this is Friday. Not that I can see. It, uh, that okay. is the last right. thing on their website. This is so. something that warms my heart. This is from Jerry in Yonkers, New York. I've been a listener since 2011, and over time I know how you love hearing when ex-Nats pitchers are failing on the mound. Here is the deported Doolittle's line from Wednesday afternoon with the Reds. One inning, 28 pitches, four hits, three walks, four earned. Two of those were home runs and one wild pitch. Have a fantastic day. I can feel you smiling. Yes, the Beltway Mitterrand. Do. Yes. yes. And Thanks one other. The World Series, though. And Seriously. one other from Mike Crowley, and this may warm Nigel's heart, and I'll read it in part. I had Nigel visit my class on um, March the 10th. That's yesterday, right? March the 10th or two days two ago? Two days ago. It's Wednesday, right? yes. That's right. And he was fantastic. It's hard to believe this Brit, this interloper to our country, could talk, <laughs> talk cogently for an hour about his role on the podcast, but he managed to pull it off. The students had no idea that the board had been at zero for going on two years straight now. It was amazing. <laughs> what Nigel did reveal is that if he and Kelleher were both drowning, you would save Kelleher. He had only positive things to say about you and his time with you. I just wanted you to know and the rest of the listeners to know what a smart and thoughtful visitor he was to my class and how oh. grateful I am that he is in your keep ensuring the trains run, if not on time, then close to time. And this is Mike Crowley, of course. And that fine. is Denison University, which is your alma mater, is it not? That, well, I was more a groundskeeper there than anything. But yes, it is. Okay. It has a fun spot. That's very kind of, of Michael to say that. It was a it was a thrill and a delight. And and I didn't say that in a mean way. He just said, you know, who do you think Tony would rescue first in the water? And I just, you know. Well, I wouldn't most... be in the water. So that's <laughs> number one. I wouldn't be in the water. So I'm afraid of water. Point. He's standing that's on the stairs. Yeah. So <laughs> what did Mike expect? You have spoken to NASA. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You've that's spoken true. to NASA, you can speak to a class. And did kids. you close with, and that's why I'm not a rum dum. Yeah. <laughs> I so I wanted, I wanted to mention something that yesterday, uh, Michael and Liz and uh, the baby boy Bootsy and the hammer came over here, very, very pleasant. The hammer looking more and more like a person every day with a real face and definition and all of that thick 
you know, the hammer, a happy child, happy child, wanders into the brush. Yep. Yeah, he likes- A second kid, if you will. Yeah, he likes to, you know, if there's a tree, he just walks right into the leaves. He's happy to do that and hides. Although he can't hide with that red hair. Anyway, at one point, Michael, I believe you said to me, and I don't know which child this was about, but I thought it was about your oldest child. Boy one. Yes, I thought it was about Bootsy, in which you said, almost defiantly to me, that at this point, he is smarter than Chessie. Right? Was that? Oh no, no. The hammer is now smarter than Chester. You, you think vocabulary? That, you think the hammer? Well, but he's okay. talking. Okay. Well, he's speaking his language. No, he speaks real American words. I understand, but Chessie speaks her language, and there is differences in her barks. Anyway, what I wanted to get to was this, because I don't really think the hammer is smarter than Chessie at all. I'm not even sure the Bootsy is smarter than Chessie at all. And and here's what I would ask: When you drive to this house. The dog recognizes your car. She knows your car driving up. Do either of the boys know my car? So how about this? When do they? When the hammer <laughs> comes back from the park every morning after we do the show, and he's walking up the stairs without having seen me, he starts chanting, Dada, Dada. Yeah. And every single morning when I leave, he starts chanting, Mama, Mama, because he knows I'm not going in there. Okay. The dog. The dog knows where her food comes from. The dog knows what room to go to to get the food. The dog, when she wants to eat, goes patiently to where the food is and sits there and whines every once in a while. When the dog wants water, she goes to her water dish. She does that. My sense of your children is they are fed, you know, on a routine basis, but that they don't even have to ask for anything. That, that I think, is is telling. When you assume you make an, <laughs> okay. an ass out of you and me. Yeah, I'm just saying, the, <laughs> the boys can verbalize what they actually want. And so you're, you're coming well, down to Jessie, routine and patterns. Jesse can verbalize as well. Her barks are different. I don't understand the difference. But but here I think, no, let's just here's pull, the let's deal pull breaker. That, pull back the curtain. You've been trying to get Chessie to talk to you for the last few months, and you're in incredibly disappointed that yeah. she has not done that. And you and you and Chessie watch TV every single night, and you just keep looking at her, waiting for her when to say something. When are you going to talk to me? When are you going to say, could you put on Michael Clayton? When are you going to say and that Turn to it me? to the right. <laughs> one one more thing I would, I would ask about, all right? Uh, is the Bootster potty trained yet? Yes, the Booster is officially potty He's trained. He's officially potty trained? Yes, Because Chessie's been potty trained for a while. Okay, well, Chessie still has some accidents in the middle of the night if she eats her Frisbees. Well, no, those are not... That, no, that's not that. She okay, vomits. Is, is the Booster eating Frisbees? <laughs> is he eating Frisbees? No. Okay. No, so a three-and-a-half-year-old is not eating Frisbees. I'm just saying that I believe that Chessie is pretty smart. Pretty smart. Not just for a dog, for anything. Pretty smart. That's what I would get to. What do you think? I... I I totally agree with you. Again, and if she speaks English, I'm be very boys happy. to dogs. Yeah, I understand that. I played golf yesterday. It was a lovely day in Washington D.C. Truly a lovely day, and I played with Arch Campbell and Betsy Maloney, um, and we went around in really, really quick three hours. We we didn't have anybody in front of us. The huge crush came. At about, we went out around 10. 20. I know this because I made the tea time. Yeah, but we went out a little earlier, like 10, 10 or something like that. And nobody, you know, the people in front of us had gotten, they were on four or five by the time we teed off. And the people behind us, it didn't really matter. We were, so, and I played okay. Not, you know, not well, you know, on ground balls here and there. But I. How were you out of the bunkers? I was bad out of the bunkers. I got out, but without any. I got. I went from one bunker to another bunker a couple of times on seventeen, for example. But I, you know, I I did pretty well, and I was really, I was really happy to be out. I I no longer like Arch said. I'll keep score for you if you want, and I said no. I don't. I don't even bother to keep score anymore. I have some sense of how I'm doing, you know, and I know which holes I par and stuff like that. But I don't really keep score. But it was a lovely lovely day and i mentioned this earlier that the sort of tease on the day because isn't it going to be cold but not not as bad are, are as we you, done as with you, snow yes you we think, are done with snow you think we're officially yes. done with snow now maybe not where you're traveling but yes right. we are done here with okay. snow well i would like to be done with snow and i enjoyed i enjoyed going out i enjoyed hitting the ball i i would have enjoyed walking to the ball more but i you know i, I was in a cart which is okay a cart now what would okay. what would encourage you to actually keep a scorecard oh if, if i was in a match if I was okay. with somebody else, if everybody else was keeping score, not a visit. Jesse is whining now. Visit, yeah, because I've offended her. She's upset at what you said. Now, if only she could actually 
talk in English. Talk. Share, share us your feelings. Nigel, do you ever feel that same way with your cats, that you talk to them so often and you talk to them, you don't talk down to them? I mean, you talk oh, to them. And no, why yeah. don't they talk back? Why don't they talk back? <laughs> I think you know, they're frustrated that I have not learned their language because they appear to chirp at me as if I should understand it. But no, it's always a conversation, not a lecture, I would say, from me to them. That's how I feel. I mean, I just, that's exactly how I feel, that I talk to the dog and I treat the dog as an equal. Right. And the dog should be able to talk to me. I mean, it's five years. You know, she's heard <laughs> this for five years. You know what? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think it should be that hard. Now, it's possible, and I don't know this, it's possible that dogs don't have the same vocal cord structure or, you know, the, or the, they don't hear in the same way, they can't mimic in the same way, because I would think that if they could, I would think if animals could talk, they would talk, right? I mean, they Well, would you're talk. assuming she wants to talk. Maybe she has been able to this entire time and just doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Isn't it true that aren't, don't apes... Don't apes sort of understand? They may not be able to talk, but they understand and they can count well, and they can do. Did, isn't there a lot of studies about that? Well, yeah, and they can speak apes? sign. They can speak sign language. In fact, there was something going around. So there's understanding. There's understanding. Yes, right. I saw. I saw a video of um, a big gorilla signing, and it, it, now what it said. I don't speak sign language, but it said what the gorilla was right. signing was, "Please don't feed me," because you know all those signs that say "Don't feed the oh. animals." I guess he was yeah. saying like, "Hey, stop th throwing food at me. I can't eat that." Or whatever. So, so there is there is a certain intelligence. I mean, I'm I'm sure, sure. there are, I'm sure there are um, animal behaviorists and animal psychologists who could rank animals by brains. Right? They could they could tell you of all the common animals, the animals you've heard of, who are the smartest and who are the dumbest. And I don't know who the dog. I, I assume dogs are pretty high up. Yeah, her ears are up, right? You now. know, but not not as high up as others. <laughs> I don't know who the. I'm told cows are incredibly stupid. I don't know this. Not surprised by that. Yeah, that cows are dumb. Um, you know, what do I know? All right, this has been fun. <laughs> Maybe not for you, but certainly for me. <laughs> certainly for me. I'm not even going to go into the fat. Well, oh, I'm oh. glad you enjoyed the visit by the boys. <clears throat> I loved it. I loved it. I'm always happy to see them. Can I do that one thing on the um, on the horse? Sure. This was the horse. Sculpture. Dad's going back to his email pile. Yeah. This is from Mike Seminara, who writes, I've been a viewer of PTI since the beginning, and apparently I haven't been listening to the podcast long enough to meet a little in the wild. The story on Wednesday's show about Mr. Tony missing the 1973 Belmont race was touching. I happen to run e-commerce sales for Briar Horses and would like to send one of our most popular models, Secretariat, to Tony. We've been making model horses since 1950, and we still compare all models to Secretariat. I'm not looking for any promotion, just want to express my gratitude and to give a little something back for all of the years of entertainment. If you would like, to, if you would like me to send the model, please send me an address. If not, I understand. He's been getting too much free stuff lately, meaning I've been getting too much free stuff lately. But this is really nice. So, Nigel, you'll, you'll take care of that? Yes, I will. So what's the size of the model? I don't know. Tori, Tori probably has. Tori loves horses. Tori will be on later. We could ask Tori about horses, right? Yeah. I mean, she probably has model horses. But Secretariat Big Red was, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful horse. And everybody knew how beautiful that horse was and how great that horse was. All right, we will take a break. Steve Sands will join us from the Players' Championship at uh, Ponte Vedra um, when we come back. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Brooklinen ad. How's your comforter looking these days? A lot like you feel, maybe a little lumpy, maybe a little deflated. Huh. No longer has the same fluff it used to. It's time for a refresh with Brooklinen. Whether you're an early bird or you like to hit the snooze button, everyone deserves to sleep in ultimate comfort, and that starts with your comforter. That's why they call it comforter, because it gives you comfort. I'm adding that myself. They didn't write that. Brooklinen can help you get your best sleep. Brooklinen creates beautiful, high-quality bedding and home essentials that work directly with manufacturers to give you a fair price. No middlemen, no markups. Their comforters come in lightweight, all-season, and ultra-warm to suit every type of sleeper and lifestyle. There's even a weighted comforter option for stress relief. Is that... That's so, what Saliza has. Right. So you wrap yourself up. It's heavy. It weighs you down. How does that relieve stress? What is the theory behind that? 
Because if, if, if that was all it took to relieve stress, wouldn't you like sleep with a refrigerator on your head? I mean, wouldn't you? They also offer a variety of materials, including an eco-friendly recycled down alternative. And Brooklinen's comforters pair perfectly with their sheets, pillows, and duvet covers. There's a reason Brooklinen has over 75,000 five-star reviews and counting. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Brooklinen's comforter collection. Go to brooklinen.com, use the promo code TONY to get $25 off with a minimum purchase of $100. Let me spell it for you, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N, brooklinen.com. Enter the promo code TONY for $25 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's brooklinen.com, promo code TONY. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. And I call you in the summer to make sense of what I don't This is Olivia DeRoche, who goes by the name Via DeRoche. This comes from her father, Dave DeRoche, who writes, I've happily rediscovered your podcast while working from home during the pandemic. Thoroughly enjoy it. Like you, I'm a proud father of two. Also, like you, I'm a music lover. To my great delight, both my children, now in college, write, record, and perform their own original music. My daughter, Olivia Via DeRoche, is based in Toronto and recently released her debut single, Call You in the Summer which is part of an LP coming out on March 12th, which is today. March 12th is today. And he says, my son, Luke, plays the instruments on this song. This is Call You in the Summer, plays in Steve Sands. We will get back to the DeRoche family later in the show. Sands is at uh, the TPC, and I watched a whole lot of it yesterday. I watched two or three hours of it yesterday. And I, I, I mean, I've got to start with this, because, I mean, to me, we talked about this on PTI on Wednesday, and I made the mistake of saying it was the PGA. It was not the PGA that made the rule. It was the PGA Tour that made the rule. I was upbraided by a mutual acquaintance of ours, but I, I accept that I had that wrong. It's PGA Tour. And they put in a rule, literally overnight, that uh, said, okay, if you're on 18, you can't drive into the ninth fairway uh, and reroute the course so that you can have a better look at the 18th green. No one had done this, but Bryson DeChambeau, he of the prodigious drives, had talked about the fact that he might consider doing this. I've got to assume, though DeChambeau's name was never mentioned, that this was directly aimed at him. Do you concur on this, or am I wrong? <laughs> yes, 100%. He said something early in the week after winning at Bay Hill last week that maybe he'll go left of the water at 18 and put it on nine because he liked the angle there better. And the tour uh, squelched that uh, very quickly. Very quickly. What is the PGA Tour afraid of? Uh, being called the PGA more than anything. <laughs> they, <don't laughs> want to, they do not want to uh, be called the PGA of America. Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting, Tony. I think they should have let him do it. I don't know why. I watched you guys on PTI when you guys did that on Wednesday. Um, and I loved the segment. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't let him do it. Uh, I know they say safety reasons, and they don't want the golf ball flying um, behind fans at nine. I think what they don't want more than anything, it, it, has, it has nothing to do with safety and fans. I think they just don't want the golf course to be played uh, not the way it was originally intended uh, by Pete Dye when he designed the golf course. So to me, it, it, it's, it reminded me like, was it Jerry Glanville who said the no fun league, the NFL? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, let him try it. I mean, was there a better moment at Bay Hill last week than Bryson on number six trying to drive the water there at the par five? He's talking about a Jordan Spieth hole-in-one on Saturday, and it was – a moment that was erased because DeChambeau played rock and roll golf on the six. So I would have let him try it. Uh, he's not going to do it. It would have been a, a dumb play, but he said it and uh, they rinsed it immediately. Do so, you Sands, to your point though, about how the course intended to play, this is the ultimate risk reward. So why wouldn't you let a player take that risk? I'm with you, Michael. I, I, I thought, wow, here we go. Yeah, the ratings are up 41% last week. DeChambeau's starting to get some traction. People are interested in seeing what he's doing. Like him or dislike him, he's fascinating to watch. He says early on that he's going to try to drive 
left of the water at 18 to have a better angle and all kinds of craziness like that. You know, ESPN's picking up on that. A lot of people are picking up on that. The attention is starting to really, you know, get towards golf here, even before the NCAA tournament begins kind of thing. And and they they just washed it away. I thought they should have let him at least give it a shot. I thought that would have been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm with you, Michael. I agree. Do you want to explain the Hinkle Tree story, or do you want me to do it? Because it's actually before your time to a degree. I can yeah, do it if you want. Yeah, All right, so there was this big prodigious driver named Lon Hinkle, and in the 1979 yeah. Open, uh, which was played in Ohio, um, he he did this same thing. He found a way to get yeah. a better angle into a particular green by driving it into a different fairway. And when he did this, literally overnight, overnight, the the tour, that was the USGA at that time, the yeah. USGA brought in a 20-foot-tall black spruce tree, tree and planted it right where he was hitting. So the next day, Hinkle just went over the tree, and this has become known as the Hinkle tree, and I am told that the famed Dave Fay owns the Hinkle tree. He bought yeah. the Hinkle tree from a nursery, and he has the Hinkle tree. Now, the difference, and I'll lead, I'll lead into Steve on this, the difference is that... They didn't pro. They tried to discourage Hinkle from doing this by putting an obstacle in his way. But what the PGA Tour did right now was say to DeChambeau, "We will punish you. We will declare this out of bounds. We will prohibit you from doing it." So he didn't have the DeChambeau doesn't have the option that Hinkle did, and that's what's that's what's bothersome to me. It, it's they don't name him, but it's so obviously aimed at him. Are they not recognizing that he's playing a different kind of golf, and it seems to be attractive to fans? Yeah, I, I just I I'm so with you. I totally I just don't get it. I don't get why you wouldn't want the attention on your sport and give it a shot. You know, quarterbacks throw the ball at different arm angles. Batters have different stances. Tennis players have different serve motions. Uh, go on and on and on. Every sport, everybody who has the same skill set does and goes about their business in a different way. So if he's choosing to take an angle and try to do something, no one else is doing that. <laughs> I mean, no one else is going to try that. And no one else can do it. And I don't know. I don't know why they did that. I just think it's bizarre. That I'm glad you told the Hinkle story because we were talking about it yesterday in our production meeting. There are two trees in golf, the Eisenhower tree yeah. and the Lon Hinkle tree. I think the Eisenhower tree is a little bit more famous. Uh, but it's – I don't know, Tony. I don't get it. You know, I think you're, you're, you're not watering down your product. You're making it more exciting. You're making it more uh, fun for people to watch. You know, you're looking for accessibility from the game from all kinds of diversities. I the diversity. I, I think that I, I just think they took the fun out of it. I, I give him a shot, let him see what he does. By the way, if he hits yeah. the water, he's not going to do it again. I mean, so there's no fan, there are no fans over there. It's not a security issue whatsoever. I, I think maybe they're afraid of encouraging people to bulk up in the way that the shamble bulked up. Yeah, and they're Tony. But but hold on, but I don't mean to cut you off. But that's Tony, okay. no one. I've asked. We've I've asked. Dozens of tour players. No one else is going to do what Bryson did. No one. It, it, everybody is a copycat when it comes to success in pro sports. I get that. But no one's going to do what he's doing because there's not a player out here who thinks he can sustain what he's doing. You know, you want to you want to have a Tom Brady type long career. You want to have a Kurt Warner type four or five street, you know, great seasons. They're thinking that his body's not going to be able to hold up. And by the way, the precedent uh, for, for a long period of time, anyway, when it comes to this kind of weight game and this kind of swing speed. Uh, by the way, there is precedent this year on the PGA Tour in Hawaii. There were no fans. And players were in the practice rounds hitting on 18, which is a dog leg left. They were hitting it way left of that on number 10. And the PGA Tour didn't like that. They put an out-of-bounds hmm. um, They put out of bounds markers there. The difference here is that in that instance, it truly was a safety issue because there are players playing on the 10th on Thursday and Friday. They contemplated changing it on Saturday and Sunday, but because of the time difference over there, they had to play split tees and threes, so players were still coming up number 10. You can't have guys you know, having 
you know, you know, golf balls come flying yeah. at them, but they don't know they're coming at them. So in this case, they just took the fun away, Tony, in my opinion. Other players aren't copying Bryson in that regard. It's not going to happen. Six well, if, if you, was a different golf hole. And if you look at the case study of number six, he makes those drives on Saturday and Sunday, and he still walks away with four and has to yeah. have really difficult up and downs to do that. And then if you're also looking at, say, somebody like Paul Casey, and he has this viral Instagram story where he's hitting old technology and old persimmon wood, and he's still getting 120-plus club head speed and 170-plus ball speed. So you're finding ways to get close to that, even if you're not going to bulk up and chase the 190-200 ball speed. So yeah, what, just, what I was... Just let him play, is my, yeah. my opinion. What play. I was thinking of is if you wanted to defend this, what you would say is golf course architecture is very important. We have yeah. a rooting for each hole, and that is the way we're going to do it. And then the counter-argument is, but the goal in golf is to get the ball in the hole with fewer strokes than everybody else. What do you care where I do it and how I do it? And I think that would be an interesting debate. But they didn't have that debate. They just declared it out of bounds. It was punitive against one fellow, against one fellow who may be, may be your most sort of interesting guy on the tour now, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't even think it's close. I think it's... The other thing is, is as the game moves forward, Tony and Michael, as the game progresses, if guys are trying different things based upon their strength, based upon their equipment, based upon science, based upon, uh, you know, I'm not an analytics guy in sports, but based upon those types of things, let them try it. Let's see what happens. I, I kept thinking, use the analogy the other day on the air about, you know, this is be like, you know, grandpa watching an NBA game and going, God, why are they shooting so many threes? And yeah, Bob yeah. Cousy and Bob and Bob Cousy was the analyst saying, you know, in our day we didn't shoot threes like Steph when we crossed the timeline and that kind of thing. It's like, let me tell you something. Give me Damian Lillard and Steph Curry all day, every day, you know, watching them, you know, throw up those shots like they do so amazingly well. Give me Bryson DeChambeau trying to make the game more exciting. Did you see him engaging with the fans? At number six last week at Bay Hill on yeah, Saturday and yeah, Sunday, if, yeah. if you're the PGA Tour, Tony, you're not looking at that and saying, "Give me more of that." What? Why would you want less of that? I want but, more of that as a sports fan. This place would be rocking and rolling on the 18th hole yesterday to see what Bryson would have done. Why wouldn't you want him to do that? Don't tell me it's because of security reasons or safety reasons. That's that's just not correct. I agree with you completely. By the way, you have had two great Tiger-centric interviews in the last two weeks with Morikawa and DeChambeau after they won. Um, it leads me into ask, is there any update on how Tiger is physically? And also, what does that make you think about in terms of, of the adoration that the younger players have for Tiger Woods? Man, these are his guys, Tony. I mean, remember, you know, Tiger's 45. You know, Bryson DeChambeau's in his mid-20s. So you go back 15 years, 15 or so years when Bryson was 10, you know, Tiger was 30. And, you know, Bryson grew up wanting to be Tiger. Uh, Kyle Morikawa, early 20s, same kind of thing. Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy. These guys are, you know, Tiger's sneaky old compared to those guys. And it doesn't take much in sports you know, for, for, for heroes to flip, you know, Mahomes is playing Brady. Well, when Mahomes was in high school, Brady was winning Super Bowls. So, you know, you were watching your heroes and you're competing against. So I, I think it's speaks volumes to the change of the relationship Tiger has had with these guys compared to his contemporaries, Ernie Els, VJ Singh, David Duvall, Phil Mickelson, he iced them all day, every day, never got to know him, had blinders on when he played. Now, you know, with, with Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, those guys, he plays with them and he speaks with them. He plays with them and he walks down the fairways with them. He does not stone them or ice them. Hey, he may have at Augusta when he was trying to win the Masters in 2019, but Week in, week out, he's allowed those guys in a little bit, and they both have benefited. The players today have benefited from that relationship, and also Tiger has benefited as a, a grown man and a, a fatherly figure, older brother figure in the game. Uh, so that's been a, a nice thing 
for those, but oh, his influence on these guys, Tony, is is immense. I mean, it's it's huge. Do we have a sense of how he is physically a few weeks out from this? You know, I I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um, he's progressing and he's doing better, and he's desperately um, itching to come back home to Florida for rehab and those kinds of things. And then on the flip side of that is. How many people are in the hospital for more than two or three weeks uh, with leg injuries? So, you know, there's it's a it's one side or the other. Again, I'm not going to speculate. I can I can right. only tell you what I've heard, um, and I have heard um, good things, and I've also heard, well, if if things are going that well, you know, let, let's get them out of the hospital and get them home. But I think right. they're being very cautious as they should. Um, and he is getting better, Tony, and he is going to be coming home uh, at some point, as long as there are no more complications uh, out in Southern California. Okay, I will get you out of here just on this one thing, and I know you like him very much, and I don't know him at all, but I tend to like him very much. Rory McIlroy was like seven over yesterday. Yeah. Rory McIlroy is even, you know, he's, he's not contending anymore. Even when he gets close, something happens on one day in a tournament and he, he just goes away from the top of the board. What is the deal with him? Yeah. He's in a little bit of a funk. Um, he's not in the top 10 anymore. In the official world golf ranking He's not contending. Like you said, last week, he began four shots back on Sunday. Uh, the winning score was 11 mm. under. He started the day at seven kind of lost his patience and poise uh, early in that final round. And he just doesn't look the same, Tony. It's it's a little bit off, you know, just a little off with his game, a little bit off with the fans are coming back. Uh, the energy is starting to uh, get back. I think that what he's going to do is he's going to go home. He's going to kind of chill out a little bit before the match play. And I think he's going to come to Austin perhaps with a, a little bit of a different frame of mind. He's played a lot of golf recently. Uh, he's traveling with his wife and his, his baby, Poppy. That's a new uh, thing as well. Um, it, it's a little bit of an adjustment period for Rory. I think he'll be fine. But, you know, it's starting to get a little spooky that, you know, a guy like Rory McIlroy with all of his talent is sliding backwards, like you said. That's yeah. that's not how you continue greatness uh, when you start slipping up like that as often as he has recently. He's had chances to put himself in contention recently and has gone like backwards, like way the backwards. The other way. It's, yeah. it's not good. Thank you, Steve. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, thank you. All right, guys. Be good. You got it anytime. Steve Sands. We love Steve Sands. Which reminds me to say that Calvert Woodley is open again. And it's open for business for everybody in the Washington area. And his brother Michael is running that. We will take a break. Uh, we will come back. We'll do some news with Gary and Tori when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Spring is springing as we speak. It is. You can see you can see the daffodils. You can see everything coming up. You explained the buds to the boys. I did. I tried to. It's the perfect. they understood. Well, the dog didn't understand that, I didn't think. Well, that was new to her, though. And I'd have to do it more often to her. And it's the perfect reminder to tidy up and get your life in order. And why not start by protecting your family with life insurance? Go to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes to find your best price. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare policies from as little as $15 a month. You might even be able and eligible to skip the in-person medical exam. Since their licensed agents work for you and not the insurance companies, there's zero hassle. If you had any speed bumps during the application process, Policy Genius will take care of everything. The best part, all the benefits of Policy Genius, the comparison tool, the handling of the paperwork, the unbiased advice are totally free to use. So while you're tidying up around the house this spring, why not get your life insurance organized too? You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes and feel good knowing that if something happens, and we know what that is, your loved ones will be taken care of. Go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Now, earlier we played Via DeRoche playing Call You in the Summer. This is her brother, Luke DeRoche, who's in San Diego. His latest song is called The One. This is the one. Again, this is proudly sent by Dave DeRoche, the dad. It's lovely. Michael, if people want to send in their music, 
their independent music, which can be heard in its entirety without me talking over it at the end of the podcast. How do they go about doing it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. It's be wonderful. I mean, if you're the dad and you see your kids, you know, it's like when I see you and Elizabeth Cook. And I just go, wow, that's just tremendous. It's just totally tremendous. All right, Gary and Tori join us. We're going to do a news segment. This puts Nigel squarely in charge, and if it doesn't work, it's Nigel's fault. And if it does work, I get the credit for coming up with the idea, even though I didn't even do that. It was Michael's idea. But go ahead. Uh, well, we'll start off with some vaccine news. Uh, your President Biden uh, addressed the nation last night and said that he would – the plan is for every adult in the United States to be eligible for a coronavirus vaccine a coronavirus vaccine, rather, by May 1st, with the goal of allowing small celebrations on July 4th. So um, if the goal is that everybody becomes eligible, that, not to put too fine a point on this, but that doesn't mean everybody's you know, vaccinated. It just means they're eligible, right? I mean, you still you have to distribute it. There has to be some system whereby everybody is notified and they get it. Am I right on this, Tori? I mean, that's... that's yeah, and... That- and- there was boy, um, there was a there's a great new study out by Edelman on how people are feeling about the vaccine. It has to be available. It has to be available in a place you can get to. Not everybody wants it still. They're going to work right. on that hard, I think, between now and then on a big public service campaign. But not everybody wants to take it. Is it like thirty percent? I do, I do drive a re- truck on yeah. River Road and I'll line up and give them my arm. Is it thirty percent? Is it as high as thirty percent that doesn't want to take it? Is that I or am I right? No, I, I think that's I think, I think that that's kind of yeah. the number. Yeah, so sure maybe closer to a quarter. I think it might be closer. Or if it was to a that number time. within a certain party? Oh, oh, okay. No, 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 I think they've said. Uh, let me. I'll check that while you go. But I, I, I want to say I've heard like a quarter of people. Now it's again. This is a moving target too. This number's changing all the time. But I want to say I've heard like a quarter of people said they're not interested in getting. So it. So let let me ask the sort of obvious question, and then that's the one that's going to be decided, I assume, by the Supreme Court at some point, which is. You probably have the right not to take it, but do you then have the right to go to the same workplace as people who have taken it and perhaps infect them? And how do how do we balance out your individual rights to take or not take the vaccine with the larger rights of groups of people? Do they have the right not to have you in their space? You know what I mean? Isn't that a yeah. question for the courts? Yeah. Right. I, I think it's a great question. Isn't it similar to it's even before the pandemic? schools that required your kids to have certain vaccines and if they couldn't prove they had the vaccines they weren't allowed to apply to go to school and parents have been protesting that and taking through the courts already it's in the same vein do we have rulings on that have we had rulings on that not that i know so i mean i can issue one if you'd like (laughs) (laughs) yes please There's there's also going to be a question as to like your your vaccine passport as to how much information yes. is that actually going to be able to share? Do you want to do you want to actually allow people to view that? And then, what if you're seeing a market for you know illegal or counterfeit vaccine documentation? Yeah, aren't the, the Michael the Airlines are already working on this, right? Right, but everyone's working in isolation, yeah. so you're going to see everyone have their own version rather than having one yeah. global passport. When I was vaccinated, I got a sticker. That said, I was vaccinated. I voted did you take today. a vaccine selfie? No, I did not. I don't. I've never taken selfies, but <laughs> I got a sticker, <laughs> which I could present. But then somebody. But it would be easy to counterfeit the sticker. I'm sure, right? It would yeah. be easy. Well, we should so. not move from this subject without taking a moment to reflect how truly incredible it is that they're talking about 14 months from knowing this thing even existed to having a vaccine for everyone. Amazing. That is, that is just amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. There's a whole bunch of vaccines out there. And, um, and although it is also true that we don't know the full effect of them because, because we are the case studies in all of this, but Mm -hmm. it's remarkable that they got a vaccine and a lot of great science went into getting these vaccines. It's great. It's great. What else? Uh, well, there aren't many similarities in the basketball programs with Binghamton University and Duke University. However, this no. year there is one. Neither what? will be attending the NCAA tournament. Duke no. had to drop out of the ACC tournament after a positive COVID-19 test within the program. And, I, and pretty much their only hope of getting to the, the big tournament was if they had won the ACC. So it looks like they are out uh, of this tournament for the first time in, in quite some time. Well, let me let me go a little bit further um, on that, which is the protocols for playing in the tournament 
require a certain amount of time before, you know, after the test is positive and then playing in the tournament. I'm not even sure they could have qualified. But, it, you know, it, here's my, my obvious question on this. If somebody in that program tested positive and they've already played two games, they've already played two games. Well, you know, uh, uh, is it transmitted to anyone else? Uh, how does it work? What about the they're in a bu- the entire ACC is in a bubble, right? I mean, a small bubble. Yeah, couldn't couldn't everybody in the ACC be exposed to this? Am I crazy asking these questions? Uh, fair to ask the questions. Um, Some of the answers. Yeah, I, we, I have we, another question. When they're in an ACC bubble, how does it work? Does the ACC administer the test, or do teams uh-huh. administer their own test and then self-report? No I'm idea. Surprised. When a team seems to come forward and say, hey, we tested positive, we're out, I'm always impressed that they're doing that. But I think you're right. Have, Again, there's so many things we don't know how long the, the period is that you can actually be infecting other people. And what I, did, I, what did I read today that at Duke, they had this is Rush Week at Duke? Yeah, Rush Week. And they got like 50 million Just cases. Just hanging out at Shadows. Yeah, that sounds safe. Yeah. That what are you doing? So, uh, Duke, 20, is it 24 tournaments in a row? Something like the 19, I think it's 1995. I think 96, I think it's this year. Yeah. The first thing in my household when we heard this, we said, well, this is totally a made up case. I just don't want to deal with losing. I've gotten into the tournament. I don't want to deal with losing. Of course. I've said this, I said this the other day, and I will say it again here. If I ran ESPN and Duke and Kentucky were not in this tournament, I would schedule a Duke and Kentucky marathon. Totally. Opposite. (laughs) The first round of the NCAA tournament, and I would crush in the race. Best, best five of, of nine. <laughs> winner, gets, winner gets the Elite Eight. <laughs> I would crush. So, okay. Tony, uh, yep. Nigel mentioned uh, Binghamton. I don't know yep. if you happened to see Sam the, Sh- Sam the Sham Sessoms last night. He's with, at Penn State, right? Yes, and led Penn State back. That Penn State was down, I think, 16 with like four or five minutes left, brought them down to within one of Wisconsin and had the ball – uh, with a few seconds left, and Didn't unfortunately it. turned it over. He had a heck of a no. game, though. No, yeah. good for him. Good Bingham for him. Boy makes good. And yeah. speaking of the America East, are you are do you are you aware of who will be playing in the championship match tomorrow? Duh. I thought it was Hartford and Mass Lowell. Am I wrong on that? No, you were right. Yeah, the number six seed and number four seed. So yeah, no Hartford Stony Brook, Lowell. no UMBC, no good. Catamounts. No Vermont. Did you beat any good. of those guys? No Did you Albany. beat either of no. those two? We didn't beat anybody. <laughs> We didn't beat anybody, but um, Mass Lowell's, you know, I mean, what are we talking about yeah. here? Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a diagnosis, as I've like said Revere. before. <laughs> Mass Revere. No, what are you doing in this tournament? Go ahead. Um, staying with college basketball, it was a nice win for Chris Eliza's Georgetown Hoyas. They take out yeah, the top seeded Villanova. <clears throat> Excuse me. Villanova um, missing their two best players. So Right, right. So yeah. with a grain of salt, but still a nice win. And maybe the biggest win for Patrick Ewing so far as the head coach. Would, yeah. would be fair to say? Yeah. Well, after that big win, uh, he had a few things to say about being accosted by Madison Square Garden security. Uh, he said, I, don't, I do want to say one thing, though. I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, <laughs> accosted, people asking for passes. Everybody in this building should know who the hell I am, and I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? Do, do I need to call up Jimmy Dolan and say, geez, is my number in the rafters or what? So uh, now he some of that, that <clears throat> he yes. did. Now, it wasn't that was said great. with like, like now Spike true, Lee. It was some of a little bit of a smirk of on his face. Yeah, it was a little bit tongue yeah. in cheek as yeah. he said it. And, and so it's not this outrage like, you know, he was furious, but he was still probably a little he put irked. out. He appeared yeah. irked. Yeah, yeah well. He's, well, it's not like me walking around Madison Square Garden. It's Patrick Ewing. He's one of the most yeah. identifiable guys on the planet, you know, and certainly in Madison Square Garden. So and it does seem a bit And by the way, speaking Madison, I haven't been there for a few years, but the last time I was there and they had recently renovated it, and you go around the concourse and you have all those huge screens showing all the great moments in Madison Square Garden history. I'm pretty sure I saw him a few times yeah, on he's the on wall. There. He's so on you there. might think the security guard might make the connection. It's unthinkable. Yeah. That you would not recognize Patrick Ewing, not not even Madison Square Garden, anywhere in America. It's unthinkable that you would not recognize Patrick Ewing and and say, "Could I have some identification, Mr. Ewing?" I mean, or maybe you would say, "Look, we we have to do this. We have to do this. I have to ask." Of course, I know who you are, but I have to ask. Well, how could they not? Uh, so I will offer that if you're, I mean, I don't, Ewing is what probably close to sixty, right? 
I mean, if you're a 24... Probably in his 50s. It's okay. in his 50s. He's a 58. He'll be okay. 59 in August. So if you're 25 and working there, um, I mean, you know, I don't know. He's Patrick I Ewing. Yeah, I get yeah, exactly. it. Yeah. Yeah. He, is seven, he is still seven feet tall, right? Despite, yeah, right. Despite being 50. I mean, you, you say All you right. want to know who I am. Yeah. You see that jersey up there? That's yeah, me. It. I'm just doesn't saying. This, doesn't this remind you? That's me. Who was the AD at Florida that that uh, interviewed Spurrier? Spurrier yeah. Right when Spurrier came out, he said, "What's your resume?" My resume's yeah. out in your trophy case. See that? <laughs> yes, it is very That's reminiscent of that. That's what I did. Forget this. I'm going to South Carolina. Then forget you. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> um, let's see. Oh, this is uh, this. Uh, I think this will please both Gary and and Tori. Um, because this is a, this is about a new f- uh, flavor for beer, and it's Goose Island beer, which Tori, I think you're a fan of, right? I am. Drink it through my Caps jersey all the time. Well, Goose Island Beer has teamed up with the Cadbury people to brew a beer that tastes like the iconic cream that comes. Uh, sorry, the cream that comes out of those iconic Cadbury cream eggs. We've always disgusting. celebrated. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Cadbury. So, which is- I, saw, I saw one of these on the shelf. On the shelf, it looked awful. It's disgusting. So there, I mean, it's candy. The Cadbury are- cream egg is candy. Yes. And it's and it's but kind like, of a texture thing too. I mean, there's yes. beers for there's bacon beer and toasted marshmallow uh, beer and cookies and uh, cream. I mean, I know they they uh, have all the flavors. Gack. But that's just that's a little <laughs> bit. Uh, gack. Isn't 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 this the whole trend with liquor? If you walk around a liquor sure. store, which I've been known to do, there everything's flavored now. Everything's yes. flavored, and it's not just lemon and orange. It's whipped right. cream vodka, and it's yeah, everything's mm, flavored. Well, the whiskeys are crazy. To the, yeah, mm. exactly. Gak. What else? So Food that's science. a no vote. No vote for you, that's Mr. Tony. No vote for me. No vote for me. <clears throat> I'll drink um, yours. Yeah. Now, before I get to this, well, I'll, I'll just do this story, and then we'll give you an update on smart animals and dumb animals. Um, this might give you an indication as to what one of the smart animals might be. I'm going to take you to Johnston, Rhode Island. Nearly a month ago, a steer, a 1,600-pound steer, was on its way to the slaughterhouse and just before it was going to go in, it made an escape. A month later, this steer is still on the loose. Officers posted a blurry nighttime photo of the bovine showing it in a residential street right near a support our police yard sign. So clearly now the steer is just mocking the, the police as they try and, and, and corral him. It was later sighted in Providence. There was an Uber uh, driver on February 4th who, uh, who saw the, the, the steer just walking through an intersection while is he was waiting horn? for Long, Is it like Sam Ellinger hanging out there longer What's, than anyone yeah, else? Bevo. Bevo yeah. the Longhorn. Yeah. Yeah. Is, he, is he wearing a mask? That's all I care about. Now, I'm looking at the photo right now. Does not appear to be masked now. Oh, anti-masker. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, now the authorities say steer clear of the steer. Stay clear of the steer. Please steer clear of the steer. Steer clear of the yeah, steer. Clear. Car, Please sure. leave the capture of professionals. Now they have brought in U.S. Marshal <laughs> by the name of Lieutenant Stephen Gerard. So hopefully yeah. they'll be able to get this. Every outhouse, cat house, and leave the yeah. capture of the steer that we have not been able the to capture to the professionals. <laughs> is Doctor Richard Kimball? Okay. Go yes. get him. Now, I've looked up, there's, there's lots of lists about smartest animals and dumbest animals. Some of the, the ones that appear to be all, all across the board is smartest animals. I thought animals. cows were stupid. Maybe cows, I'm wrong. Cows make a few of the lists. Well, elephants I'll, I'll smart. They're not elephants. Elephants not smart. Ten. Chimpanzees appear smart. to top everybody's list. Smart. Dolphins, also very smart. Elephants are very high on this list. And one that I did not think of, but bees and crows apparently are also yeah. Is it being an animal? Uh, well, I guess it's some an sort of insect, I think. Yes. Take this study. Don't crows, Nigel, don't they say about crows, they, they can reason. They figure things out and they use reasoning, which is yes. really very scary. You yes. said dolphins. Dolphins aren't what animals. They're mammals. Well, that's, we'll a, jo- that's a joke. That's a joke. Not- oh, sorry. I was supposed to be, <laughs> you guys were supposed to pick up on that, but it's a little. <laughs> what, so what also, are the oct- dumb ones? Do they list dumb also, ones? Octopus is also very, yes. very smart. Cephalopods. Very yes. smart. Um, Do they list dumb ones? Yes, they do. Uh, you're not going like this. Universally, one of the dumbest animals that they say out there, one of the prettiest, but one of the dumbest is pandas. Of course, we're very fond is of those right? here in Washington. Pandas are stupid. Yes, koalas okay. also make that list. Flamingos, uh, something called a goblin shark. 
Um, these, yes, these are all listed as some of the, and something called, uh, oh, what is this, a kakapo? Oh, and turkeys. Turkeys are universally considered one of the dumbest animals. But not when they apply themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, a lot That's of it's true. just that they don't care. <laughs> right. Most of the time, it's just apathy, apathetic turkeys. Yes. Mm. So there you go. Okay. What well, about lemmings? Was... Are lemmings the ones that all run off the cliff together? That can't be very smart. Uh, they're not on this list, so yeah. maybe the maybe the lemming. A lot of those herd mentality animals, I would think. That's yeah. a good call, Tori. So, some years ago, there was some study about pigs, and they took little piglets, and the piglets at six, seven weeks old, figured, they put them in a maze, and they somehow figured out how to use mirrors to help them get out of the maze. And I'm looking at this, and I turned to my husband, and I said, our kids couldn't do this. And he said, no, <laughs> well, we couldn't do that, this. Very that was smart. my original <laughs> point of bringing up this story, that my dog is smart. Anyways. Yes. Okay. Just, just happy I didn't hear either of the boys' names on that list. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank and I just you. like to point out, I I think this was a success. So I'd like to congratulate Tony. This was a great idea. Yes. Good, good idea. Job, Tony. Good idea. Thank you, Tori. <laughs> thank you, Gary. Okay. I will take a break. We will come back. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Michelob Ultra read. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. In my life as a sports writer and somebody on television, I can think of two teams that exemplified this m more than others. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression because to be a professional athlete means you have to work very, very hard at it. You're in an extraordinarily narrow slice of accomplishment when you reach the pros. But having fun is important as well. I would give you two. I would give you the 2019 Nats, who every time they hit a home run, danced in the dugout. And when they danced in the dugout, the camera stayed on them. And it made all of us who rooted for the team very happy. And there was a sidebar to that. If Adam Eaton or Howie Kendrick were involved in a play that resulted in a run, they sat next to each other on the bench and they did a power shift as if they were driving a car. And that, too, gave them great joy and gave us as viewers great joy. The obvious other example is the 85 Bears, maybe the greatest single-season team in the NFL when they put together the Super Bowl shuffle. And everyone went, oh, my God, you can't do that. That's going to jinx you. You've got to keep your nose to the grindstone. But no, they were the best team ever. They went through the playoffs something like 91 to 10. And even Wilbon knows how good they were, and I don't get angry when he says it. So that is the great joy that you can take from sports. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony's mailbag got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Nigel, you got the Bethesda bagel ad for us. We have sandwiches today. Yes, Bethesda Bagel. We The bagel sandwich is always a great day for us with those. Uh, just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Ah, uh, I pulled into Nazareth, was feeling about half past dead. I just need some place where I can lay my head. Hey, mister, can you tell me where a man might find a bed? He just grinned, shook my hand. No was all he said. That's <laughs> Levon Helm, I believe, doing the singing on that. That's the band, yes. of course. Thanks to our guests, Steve Sands, Gary Braun, Tori Clark. Thanks to our sponsors today, Brooklinen, Policy Genius, Michelob, Ultra Pure Gold. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Rory Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine, which is 100 miles from Rivera. Dear Andy and Madison, as a crusty Mainer who once worked at L.L. Bean, I would say the reason Land's End ships you one pair of pants when you order one pair is no one needs two litter box liners shipped at once. <laughs> Those ski-doo drivers from Wisconsin can eat it. On a serious note, my best friend lives in Madison. It seems a great state, but don't ever come at the beans. From Eric Hosempa in Longmont, Colorado, I'm a fossil of a listener. Heard you quoting music lyrics this week. I wanted to point out that the best version of the Dylan song, Mr. Tambourine Man, was not performed by the Birds or Dylan. It was actually William Shatner. <laughs> Can't believe you didn't call out his musical genius. He has a new blues album, by the way. 
Wish you had the opportunity to do a Michelob ad as good as Sinatra's in 1988. Best ad ever. Not sure you can sing, though. Nevertheless, you've inspired me to purchase the Michelob brew you're hawking now. Seriously, thanks for lightening the day and for keeping us entertained during our current pandemic. That that ad is where they have the, the woman with the short hair, and it's, you know, you're lovely just the way you look tonight. Sinatra singing. It's the you greatest ad. You mentioned that ad in the original the read that we offered, right? It is the greatest yes. ad ever. <clears throat> ever. Alex Lau, New York City. It's been interesting to see how you and Michael have approached staying in shape during the pandemic. You've gone the boomer route, withering away in your attic from not eating enough and switching from wine to liquor, while Michael has gone full millennial, millennial riding his Peloton constantly. Maybe you guys should open up a fitness studio in the little house when this is all over. With all the millennials that would come, you'd have all the electric scooters and zip cars strewn across your neighborhood you could want. Maybe you could get the socialite Gary Williams and Maury Povich to invest. We all know how well starting a business in an industry, industry you know nothing about with friends who also know nothing about generally goes. Yes, it goes into bankruptcy. Millennials very fitting considering there's the peloton backstreet boys ride yes <laughs> yes way to just throw it a yes there because you had no idea what i just talked <laughs> no about. of course not yes. yes yes but i i love you so i yes. want you to feel comfortable from joe montwell in southington connecticut do you think ted and alice whose grandfather was a bank robber have neighbors named bob and carol wonder how close they are that's a great movie bob and carol and ted and alice yeah. um elliot gould is in that movie it's it's really a really good movie it's 50 years old from Brandon Costello when we remember him as Brandon Bowker. Uh, you're being a fanboy over Peter Asher is totally understandable. My general policy is to leave famous folks be. They likely don't want to be bothered, and by acting the fan, it's near impossible to make any kind of impression. However, when I see Matthew Bivens from the band Jump, Little Children, Jump Little Children, is that the yeah. name of the band? I don't know the band. My knees get wobbly, and I swoon like a Victorian lady. So swoon away. It's perfectly natural. Cathedrals. From Alex Sankey in Cave Creek, Arizona, the TK show has become too consequential in my life. I watched a return, a rerun of NCIS last night. The dopey extra from the first scene mentioned driving through Burke, Virginia. I turned to my wife and I said, that's where Mike lives. I need hobbies beyond writing sardonic <laughs> emails about Subaru to this show. I feel the exact same way whenever I see Burke in a headline. Burke, my here's from Mike from Burke, Virginia. The scene is many years from now. A beloved figure reclines in his bed in his Rehoboth beach home. His hour come round at last. His beloved wife grasps his hand. His children and grandchildren gather at the foot of his bed, eyes welling in emotion. His dog, Chessie the Fourth, whimpers. Helga, his nurse, files her nails. He surveys his family. Weep not. I'm at peace. We settled the Rehoboth water bill last year. That was the last battle for me. I'm ready to move on and meet Red Auerbach and the Squire for lunch at the Great Palm in the Sky. He beckons Michael forward. Michael, my son, I have just one more question for you. Michael walks towards him. No, lean in closer. This is between you and me. Michael leans in. His father looks him in the eyes and whispers, is Duke really out of the tournament? <laughs> Come on. Mike from Burke, Virginia. Yesterday we found you rocking by yourself on the front porch as you were contemplating the Comcast bill. Yeah, that was which I couldn't settle to my own satisfaction too bad mike Parra bob parati rather in millerton new york loved your segment about with wilbon about ollie frazier i grew up in a daring far dairy farming community in dutchess county about two hours north of new york city as you can imagine mostly white my first boxing hero was floyd patterson i rooted for cassius clay muhammad ali for every fight except against patterson my schoolmates were all ali fans by 1971 I was a junior at Cornell, and I couldn't watch the fight live, but was able to view it weeks later at a sold-out movie theater in downtown Ithaca. It was such a big event that people would actually pay to see it after the fact, even knowing the outcome. It was great, even though I was disappointed with the result. Missed the stature of old-time boxing. P.S. Favorite sporting event for me was the 1963 Dodgers beating the hated Yankees in four. I was one of two Dodger fans in my junior high school. Everyone else Yankee fans. That victory was sweet, because the Dodgers had moved out by then at that point. Yeah. From Randy Deer Born in Las Vegas. Mr. Tony, like Wilbon, I also was in the sixth grade for Ali Frazier one and was so sure Ali would win that I bet five of my friends $5 each. That would equate to a $160 bet for a sixth grader today. I'm sure you don't have to guess, but I did not have $25 stashed in my me undies drawer. So I went without lunch for the rest of the school year in order to pay my debts. I paid Steve Leindecker first because believed he was the only one who could and would kick my butt. To this day, I still remember every one of those kids' names and in the long run learned a valuable lesson. I suck at betting, which would eventually pay off years later when I was offered a career move to Las Vegas. Uh, Steve the Sycophant writes, 50 years ago, the Ali Frazier fight was a biggie even in Vietnam. I remember listening to it at about 10 in the morning at my advisory team headquarters in the Mekong Delta. 
Who you rooted for pretty much depended on whether you were a careerist, Frazier, or a drafty Ali. A couple of senior sergeants cleaned up betting on Frazier with anyone who wanted to lay money on Ali. And about four years later, I was assigned to Fort Polk, Louisiana, when Ali was reporting to the armed forces processing facility in Houston, Texas. If he accepted induction, he would have been shipped to Fort Polk to begin basic training. The whole post was in an uproar with the possibility of hundreds of reporters descending on us. Motel rooms in a nearby small town of Leesville were being snapped up by newspapers and TV networks for the astronomical price of $40 a night and more. Once Ali refused induction, things returned to normal and the cheapest motels went back to $5 a night and barely worth that. I've always felt sorry for Joe Frazier. Of course, Ali shouldn't have been stripped of his title, and that wasn't Frazier's fault. But Joe still became a villain to many just for fighting and beating Muhammad Ali. And from Pete in Lake Elmo, Minnesota, when discussing the chair, this is the ex-chair, Michael casually mentioned that you do not have a laptop. This requires further explanation since most computers made in the last 15 years are of the laptop variety. My mind is going crazy wondering what it could be. Is it an Apple II, a Commodore 64, a TRS-80? Is it actually just a typewriter and Michael scans the paper and sends it as an email? My good man, is it a speak and spell? What could possibly be on that desk? We have a... What you have an have? Apple. We have an Apple on it's that It's not that list. old. It's in the computer room. No, it's that's why on we call it the computer desk. That's why we call it the computer room because it houses the computer. What is a speak and spoke? What is that? What, what is know. that? Speak and speak tell? and spell. It's a child's toy spell. that you like press a button and it <laughs> repeats the letter. Yeah, <laughs> it teaches you oh. how to how to read and and spell. I might be proficient at that. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. I'm going to solve. All right. Corno Curro cabinet. No! <laughs> you idiot. And I call you in the summer to make sense of what I don't know. I call you in the summer to feel a little bit closer to home. I call you in the summer. To salvage the guide that you once were The memory is not the man And I know better than to call you in the summer Still trying to recover Oh, 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 I I kept falling for those eyes and your charming looks that master lies. <laughs> yeah. And I called you in the summer before you took what was in yours, but now I gotta heal. Cause you don't ask before you feel. I called you. Salvage the guide that you once were The memory is not the man And I know better than to call you in the summer Don't need you for me to recover Perfect. 
wrapped in my head But I don't know who you are I'll probably never meet you Cause searching has been ungodly hard Because I put you on a pedestal Before I even met you Because I built you around all the men That I can never get to You are elusive and a creature of disguise You may never appear in my lifetime And I will chase you all the way to the sun Cause you are the one Someday, someday 